0: So the series we're talking about is finding God in the chaos, in the chaos. And so as we look at Genesis 9, I'm going to read through four verses, and I'm going to share a little bit, read some more. So we're just going to kind of go through the verses as we go through the points. But when we're looking for God in the chaos, when we're finding God is always there. God doesn't leave the chaos and leave you all by himself. You know, just like when, they, when the, the disciples went through the storm, they were going to the other side, Jesus is with them, and they're freaking out going, you know, how can you sleep at this time? What is going on? And Jesus got up, and he calmed the wind, right? See, they were scared to death. They were in the midst of a storm. They were in the midst of chaos. God never says you'll never go through chaos. God never says you'll never go through tribulations. What he does tell us as believers, it says, I will never leave you in the middle. I will never leave you. I will be with you. So it's not like, where is God in the chaos? We just have to be in the chaos with God, knowing how do we search God? How do we find him? Because he's right there. And in the middle of this chaos, as Noah and his family have have been in in the ark, and now they're coming, they're getting out of the ark, and they're starting all over. The family of eight is starting all over. God speaks to Noah in verse one. And God said in verse one of chapter nine, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth, and on every bird of the sky, with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish the see into your hand, they are given. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give it all to you as I gave the green plant. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. So God gives instructions, God's instructions here. Now, what I love about this, if you are a detailed person, you are that person that is highly organized, I mean, you are like way up there, then then you, at the end of the service, need to get saved, and there's a a decision station back there for you. For those, I'm kidding, by the way, those, I'm, I'm kidding, you're like, wow, why did that just start off bad? I am not a detailed person. I am not that. My wife is. We are totally opposite. I am not. I am just like, wing it. You know, we'll get there. We're okay. And she's very, very detailed. I am not. God is very detailed. And I am so grateful that God is detailed. He is detailed in his instructions here. Look at what he's telling Noah right off the bat to do. He says to be fruitful and multiply, That word there, fruitful, means to grow, to increase, to bear fruit. It means to continue to lean into God, to continue to be obedient to God. And then he says to multiply and to grow. Think about it. The world that Noah's now looking at is completely different from what it was when he entered the ark. There were millions upon millions upon millions of people on the planet when he entered the ark. Now there's eight. There's eight. And God's going, We're starting over. And if we're going to do this, you're going to have to pay attention to me. And I'm going to give you exactly what you need to do. And he starts off by telling her to be fruitful, to bear fruit. Now think about it, it's his family. It's his family. A lot of times when we think of fruit, we think about, well, you know, which is it? Go out and make disciples, go out and do all that sort of stuff. But this is his family. He knows his family, but he's saying, You, as the Father, lean into me and pour into your family. It starts there. Think about it. Sometimes the hardest people to share the gospel, to be fruitful with, are your family. I can go knock on doors in in another country or knock on tents or whatever. I can go down the street, knock on a door, but I have a hard time maybe knocking on my son's door or my daughter's door, my cousin's door, my wife's door. He said to start with your family and to be fruitful in the multiply. Then he said, I'm gonna give you everything. So here it is. He's saying you have dominion. Hear me, you have dominion over everything that is alive. It shall be food for you, right off the bat. Now, this is interesting because when, when Adam was given this, it wasn't for, for animals, but here are the animals, it says they will be in fear of you. So you have the permission to eat meat. Now, my son and daughter-in-law are vegans. If you're a vegan in here, more power to you. They look great cut up all like that, but I, I like meat. I'm going to eat meat, and, and and the reason why I'm going to eat meat is because I'm obedient to my father, and my father tells me to eat meat. So there you go. Again, nothing against you. If you're vegetarian, if you're vegan, more power to you. You are good, all that sort of stuff. But I, as a 58 year old man, I'm going to eat meat because my father tells me I can can eat meat. I'm probably going to get in trouble for that. I'm sure I'm going to get, Kent's going to be getting texts for that. I apologize ahead of time, Kent. But he gives it to them. But look at what he does here. This is what I love about God, how he's about detailed. He says, Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give it all to you as I gave the green plant. Only, verse 4, only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Now understand this. What he's saying is that when you do this, respect the blood. Now it sounds gross, I know. But why was he telling them that? Because he wanted one to make sure that they weren't going to go off and do some weird stuff with the blood. He wanted them to understand that when that blood is poured out, a life is poured out. It has been sacrificed for you. And when we think about blood, how many times is the blood mentioned in the Bible? All the way through the Old Testament to the New Testament. You think about the children of Israel. It was a sign of mercy on the Passover when the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost. And then the the, the death uh, uh, went by that, 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 that home. sign of mercy. It was in Matthew the seal of the new covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. What does the blood do? It brings redemption for us that we see in Ephesians. It brings peace with God that we see in Colossians. It sanctifies us. It justifies us. It cleanses us. And the best one of all that I'm not just going to mention to you, but I'm going to read to you is in Revelations 12, 11. It enables us and gives us the power to overcome Satan. In verses, and in chapter 12, verse 11, in Revelation, it says this, and they, they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. See, if you're here today, and you're struggling with something, you're in bondage with something, and you think there's no hope, you think there's no way out, you think there's no life, the blood of the Lamb, As a believer in Jesus Christ has given you all power and all authority to overcome everything that Satan's trying to throw your way. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot be possessed by demons. You cannot be possessed by Satan. You can be oppressed by him, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit, because of the blood of the Lamb, I have all power and authority to overcome anything Satan wants to try to throw my way. I have been sanctified, justified, cleansed. I have peace. I have every Everything I need because of the blood respect the blood if you're a believer in Jesus Christ that's you there's no reason to walk around in shackles there's no reason to walk around in bondage we have freedom because of Jesus Christ because of the blood and that's why he's saying respect the blood because of that so not only does God gives instructions but he gave, he gave a covenant Verses 8 through 11, then God spoke to Noah and to his sons and with them saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you, with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, and all that comes out of the ark, every beast of the earth, I establish my covenant with you. And all flesh shall never again be cut off by water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. I love this right here. He says, I myself. Now, we may be hurt by by broken promises. If you've ever been wounded by a broken promise, it hurts, especially when someone's close to you. But I love this one. This is God saying, I myself Do establish my covenant. I make it, God says, and I am faithful. And he told Noah, it's not only just for you, which makes it individual, but it's for your descendants and your descendants after that and everything on the earth. So when we think about how is the earth gonna be, it's not gonna be by a flood because God says never again shall there be a flood. Never again shall I destroy that. See, he says that not because he believed he did something wrong, but because he understood that where we were, he told Noah, I'm not going to do that ever again. And it makes me think about in Job 39, or 38, 9, and 11. As I shared with you, we love going to the beach, and this is one reason why I put our chair right there for the water to come up. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but in 38, 9, or, uh, 9 through 11, it says this in Job, when I made a cloud, its garments in the thick darkness and squaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and doors. And I said, thus far you shall come, but no farther. And here your proud waves stop. Have you ever thought about that? Here's this ocean that I have no idea how deep it is. I don't want to find out how deep it is. All I need to know is when I step out there with my grandchildren, I just need it to go to my ankles. I like going out about waist deep. I know sharks can still get in and I get it, but that's about as far as I go. I go out there with them, and I need to know it's going to stay right there. And How do I know that? Because of the promise that God made. The creator of the universe Tells the waters where to go. Here's your boundaries. And the waters obey God. Isn't that crazy? That all creation obeys God except humans. Don't go over there. Don't go do that. Oh, God, I know better. The ocean just says, God, you created me. You tell me where to go. And that's where I go. And that's the covenant that God made. Never again will we flood, but it doesn't mean the end of the world won't happen, right? See, the rainbow doesn't negate the fact that judgment day is coming. Second Peter 3.10 says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with the roar and the elements will be destroyed with the heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Judgment is still coming. That's why there's such an eternal urgency. Where are you? Where is your walk? Are you still on the fence of going to, ah, I kind of hear about Jesus, kind of, I'm not really sure. Have you given your life to Christ? Because one day we all, until we, unless Jesus comes back, we'll take our last breath. This past week, in fact, on Thursday at 614, I had the privilege of being in a room to watch my father in law, who's an incredible godly man, pastored his entire life, watch my father in law take his last breath. And to watch that with my wife and, and her brother and sister, and, and to watch his wife of 60 years laying beside him as he's taking his last breath, and they're singing and reading scripture and knowing full well that in a moment he's going to be in the presence of Christ i don't know what all happens during that time as he was going through this but i do know that when that last breath came he entered to the presence of his father and his savior And it's so comforting. As much as we're grieving and hurting, it's comforting knowing that because Jerry Wayne Moore was fruitful and multiplied and led his family and gave his life to Christ, we know he's in his presence. Do you know that today you took your last breath that you would be in his presence. If not, here in a moment, you're gonna get that opportunity to ask someone and to talk to someone about accepting Christ. Third point, God's sign. God's instructions, God's covenant, God's sign. And said this, God said, this is the sign of my covenant, which I'm making between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all successive generations, I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become flood to destroy all flesh. I love this part right here. When when you look at the that word bow in the Hebrew, it, it, it doesn't say rainbow, and that's why in the Scripture... It says bow and when you hear that bow that the, the literally it's like it's like a, a a battle tool or a tool for war it's a bow now I, I know there's probably some bow hunters in here I am not a bow hunter I'm not a hunter hunter at all which is again I let you go kill the meat let me eat it right but as a bow you pull it man and you point it Right? You point it. When you see these movies and all this sort of stuff, the enemies come and they have this bow, they're pulling it and they're facing it right towards the enemy. There's anger, there's hostility. It is using that reference. And this is so cool. How God took that, took that symbol of anger and hostility and turned it upside down. When you think about the bow, when you think about the rainbow, it is not pointing, it's pointing up away from us and pointing up. To the throne room of god so god took that symbol he says i'm turning it into peace because i'm turning it away from my creation and you see it in ezekiel you see it in isaiah 54 9 when it talks about the peace of the covenant It says, for this is like the days of Noah to me when I swore that the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again. So I've sworn that I will not be angry with you nor will I rebuke you. For the mountains may be removed, the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. A symbol of peace. I was coming home from Oklahoma a couple weeks ago by myself. took Michelle up there and, She's staying with her dad during the time he was in hospice at the house. And I was driving back home on a country road, and, and there was a storm that had come through like minutes before I got down to, this, the, down to this part. So I'm calling Michelle, and I said, hey, can you look on the radar? I'm not sure which way this storm is heading. I mean, and on one side, there was dark, ominous, just black clouds you could see one of those is on the country you could see the rain just pouring down and there I'm just waiting for this funnel to start and I'm going to be swept away like twister right that's in my mind so I'm a little bit freaked out like I don't want to be in a tornado and I'm looking at this and as I'm driving down I'm calling and I say look on the radar tell me where the storm is coming where is it going and all of a sudden on the same path I look over here and there's a double rainbow And I literally almost drove off the road because I was mesmerized at this double rainbow. Here, I'm fearful, I'm frightened, I'm scared to death, and I turn and look, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much peace. And so God was saying, I've got you. Whatever storm you may be going through, turn your eyes towards Jesus. Turn your eyes towards your Father. Focus on Him and allow that peace to overwhelm you. In Ezekiel, it talks about a rainbow. In one twenty-eight. as the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a radiant day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance, such as the glory appearance, the likeness of the glory Lord. When I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. When I see a rainbow, that's peace. Because that's a covenant that God says will never again do that. The last point, God's instructions, God's covenant, God's sign, God's grace. Verses 16 and 17. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember, to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. I love the fact that it says, and I will look upon it and I will remember. You know, when you think about God, you think about the throne room, you think about when you pray. You know, sometimes when we pray, we have a hard time praying. We're like, I'm praying, but I'm just praying. But I want you to think about this vision. Revelations 4.3. And he, God, who was sitting, was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. My granddaughter going, Look at all the colors. Can you imagine how beautiful that is? That's high definition the rainbow so close to God that God is in there remembering his covenant with you, remembering the grace. Why do I close with this? Why do I close with God's grace? If you go on and read the rest of chapter nine, verses 18 through 23, I think, begins a story of Noah. And it begins a story of Noah and, 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 and how he became a farmer, he planted a vineyard, and then he got drunk, went to his tent, passed out, was naked. Ham saw him, told his brothers, and this is where supposedly the curse of Ham comes in with the, 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 the slaves and all like that, that they were to, because of this is where it starts, which is all false, balarkey. I was thinking of a word there, and balarkey is the word I came up with. But I want to close with this because I believe there's people sitting in this room today. So we get an idea of Noah and we think, well, Noah, he was great. Yes, he was. He was a great man of faith and he did great things. God said, I look at you and you're the only one. I want you and your family. So I think we get and we look at that and think, well, yeah, well, that's Noah. But I, I can't do anything like that because you have no idea what I've done. Well, the reason I close with God's grace is because do you not believe That God already knew what Noah was going to do years later after God saved him and his family. That Noah was going to plant the vineyard. That Noah was going to go get drunk. That Noah was going to have this happen. And all of that was going to take place with his family. Causing family to all of a sudden not be the perfect family, right? Who has a perfect family? Nobody does. But the reason I want you to hear this is because I want us to go back to verse 1. And in verse 1 it says, "And God bless Noah." Divine favor upon Noah. Even though he knew what Noah was going to do, he says, "I'm going to bless you." See, we all have sin. And because of sin there's a curse. And because of the curse, there's a Savior that was nailed to the cross. So please, don't sit here and look at this story and put Noah up on this pedestal and think, well, Noah, he was great. He did all that sort of stuff. Noah was a human being just like you and I. And no matter what you've done in your life, There's nothing that you've done in your life that the cross cannot overcome. Sin causes a curse. And because of the curse, there's a cross. And there's a Savior that was nailed to the cross and then was raised again. What I love about this story is it talks about all generations, the next descendants and like that, But the reality is, it's an individual. It's you and me. It's if God is speaking to you. What has God been speaking to you? And you have allowed whatever past things in your life to keep you from moving forward. I want to repeat it again. God's grace is sufficient doesn't matter what you've done. He already knew Noah was going to do it. He said, Noah, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you in spite of this. Because our Father is great. Our Savior is great. Where are you today? Maybe there's